Welcome to A Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21-29, called Light in the Darkness. Exodus chapter 10, and starting in verse 21, Light in the Darkness. We haven't done this for a while, but let's do this together. Let's stand, if you're physically able to stand, for the reading of the Word of God. Exodus 10, 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky, Exodus 10, 21, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. And so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. And then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be detained. Even your little ones may go with you. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we might sacrifice or may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Therefore our livestock too will go with us, not a hoof will be left behind, for we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, we ourselves do not know with what we shall serve the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. And then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Beware, do not see my face again, for in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, you are right. I shall never see your face again. You may be seated. Father, thank you so much for your living word as we deal with the ninth plague And we talk about light in the darkness. We know that darkness is certainly a powerful, scary thing. And if any of us have ever been in a cave where it was completely dark, we know how uh, ominous that can be and terrifying and even paralyzing. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at this plague and see how light was shining in Goshen where your people were and how you continued to make a distinction between Egypt and Israel between those who belong to you and those who do not. I pray, Lord, that we would be searching, looking for your light to come into our lives. You are not far from each one of us. And if we're feeling like things are a bit dark in our lives, I pray that your light would flood into that darkness. You are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? You are the strength of our lives. And I pray that your light would penetrate all of our lives today and give us hope and truth and beauty In Jesus' name, and for your sake, we pray it. Amen. Well, uh, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand, plague number nine, toward the sky. He probably had the staff in his hand. That there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. Now, I don't know how one feels darkness But I know how darkness can feel in terms of an emotional feeling that we can have. And when uh, we were little kids, I remember dark uh, was, darkness was kind of a scary thing. How many of you had a nightlight uh, when you were growing up? Anybody have a nightlight? Anybody still have the nightlight? Many decades later, you still have it. For some of you, that's just so you don't stumble uh, going to the restroom at night. We get it. 
But this was a darkness that could be felt. It's described as a thick darkness in verse 22, which may be felt. Moses stretching out his staff, and this thick darkness would uh, suddenly appear. I don't think it came slowly from the language. I think it was a sudden darkness, like Moses reached up the staff to the sky, and darkness was there. Nature's lights were turned off. One writer says the land of perpetual sunshine, that is Egypt, was smothered in what the Bible calls literally a dark darkness. We can only imagine how dreadful this was for the Egyptians. When your God is the sun and the sun gets blotted out, you are left only with emptiness and dread. How does one feel darkness? Well, if you look at the original language, this is the way you could translate the darkness that they felt. It was a darkness that required, breaking down the Hebrew word, groping around or feeling one's way around. You might remember in Genesis 19 in Sodom when the angels uh, struck the men who came to the door. It says they were left groping around, groping for the door. And that's the idea of the language here, that the darkness left people bewildered and groping around, not knowing what to do and how to make sense of this feeling their way around. We've described seasons in our lives as dark days. And certainly, you know, we can go back to COVID and things that have happened. And certainly that's been a dark stretch of time for many, many people trying to make sense of what was going on, what God is doing. And you might say, well, what's the deal with the uh, darkness here? What is it? Well, it is a claustrophobic, palpable, absolute darkness And it is anticipatory. What do you mean by that, Pastor Michael? Here's what I mean. It's anticipating the final plague, which is the death of the firstborn. So the darkness becomes a final warning sign. And some of you may uh, remember, and you can kind of piece this together in your mind, that when Jesus and other writers describe the day of the Lord, the final sign that precedes the coming of Jesus Christ The second Passover, if you will, is a darkness that says the sun doesn't give its light, the moon doesn't give its light, the stars no longer shine, or even uh, language says they fall from the sky. Here's an example of one of the Day of the Lord passages. This is Zephaniah 1, 14 through 18. It says, near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it, the warrior cries out bitterly. It's a day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. That's Zephaniah 1, just reading 14 and 15. In the ancient world, darkness was an ominous threat. When we uh, navigate our lives in modern society, we have electric everything, we have uh, lights in our cars. We can turn on, you know, electricity in our homes. And if the power goes out, uh, it's amazing how many things we take for granted that don't work. Amen. <laughs> and uh, near the top of the list is all of our devices now, right? The internet's out. What are we going to do now? <laughs> the internet's out. It's almost as if our lives stop when the internet is out, right? 
we've become so dependent on that power and those sources and everything. And, you know, it's, it's uh, almost beyond us to think about lighting a couple of candles and talking with people that we live with. But uh, we won't go there right now. And so uh, this darkness came. And it is, in the ancient world, they considered confinement and darkness a grave punishment from God. Even some sort of purposeful, purposeful force associated it with death. We don't think much about it today, but a, an ancient person who didn't have, like, let's say it was not a bright night, they were pretty much immobilized. They couldn't do anything in the darkness. Everything pretty much shut down when the sun set. And this is what Egypt experienced for three days, a deep darkness that people could feel. And darkness becomes a metaphor for many things in life. It's symbolic of evil and its power, if you're taking notes. It symbolizes the spiritual, fallen, unregenerate state of the unbeliever. Darkness speaks of error, ignorance, sin, rebellion, and death. It speaks of all that is opposed to God, and it is a picture of a Christ-rejecting world. Jesus says these words in John 3, starting in verse 18. He who believes in the Son is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but men, what? Love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so they won't come to the light, Jesus says, lest their deeds should be exposed. And so there's a group of people that just, Jesus says, prefer the darkness. In uh, Ephesians 4.18, Paul is describing the Gentiles, unbelievers, the futility of their mind. And he says in Ephesians 4.18, they're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life or the light of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. In fact, to disobey God, 1 John 1, 6, is to walk in darkness. And when somebody's walking in darkness, if you walk out the metaphor, it means that they don't know where they're going. Jesus said it's like a blind person leading a blind person. And if a blind person leads a blind person, will they not both fall into a pit? So it describes a person who doesn't know where they're going. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. We just studied Psalm 119 on Wednesday nights. And a light to my path. But when you don't have the, the light of God to guide you, you're just guessing. You're going with the, the flow, if you will, of the world. And so this was a sign, an ominous sign of judgment that was coming. And darkness came over the land of Egypt for three days. So imagine you wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, it's pitch dark at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, 1 p.m., and the sun doesn't come out. And you have to start thinking, what's going on here? What has happened? You know, there are people who will try to explain this. It, it was an eclipse of the sun. It was a radical, ongoing sandstorm. I got sand in my eye. That's why it's so dark. Uh-uh. This was a supernatural event of God. And remember, every plague is striking at an Egyptian deity. You can write down, just to remind yourself, Exodus 12.12 12 and Numbers 33.4. God 
was attacking the false gods of Egypt. He was showing how helpless they were. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner? Or can you give a one-time, tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. This was a supernatural event of God. And remember, every plague is striking at an Egyptian deity. You can write down, just to remind yourself, Exodus 12.12 and Numbers 33.4. God was attacking the false gods of Egypt. He was showing how helpless they were. In Revelation 16, 10 and 11, it says, the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened. This is a last day scenario. And they gnawed their tongues, Revelation 16, 10 and 11, because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. So God moved in with darkness against the chief deity of the Egyptians. And that was the god Ra. R-A, if you're taking notes, or some say it was spelled R-E, the god Ra. Here's some things about him. The sun disk is the most familiar symbol the Egyptians use. You could often see them wearing it on their chest. It's in all their art. The plague of darkness showed the utter helplessness of Ra. 
The Egyptians also served Horus, the god of the sunrise, Aten, the god of the round midday sun, Atum, the god of the sunset. But the supreme deity in their national pantheon was Amun-Ra, who allegedly said, quoting, I am the great God who came into being by himself, he who created his names, he who has no opponent among the gods. The Egyptians believed that the solar deity, Amun-Ra, was their creator. And they sang songs to the sun disk. Here's an example. They'd sing, unique God, there is none besides him. You mold the earth to your wish, and you and you alone. All people, herds and flocks, all on the earth that walk on legs, all on high that fly with their wings. They worship the sun. For a people who worship the sun, the sun God, darkness meant just one thing. Uh Uh-oh, did he go on vacation? Or even worse, is Amun-Ra dead? What happens when your God can't give you light anymore? When your God with a small g apparently is powerless? Well, this is exactly what God is doing with this particular plague. He is saying the sun is not God, S-U-N. I am God. I made the sun. Amen. The Lord is the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. The only reason that there's a sun is because there's a God who is the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. And so people worship this sun. They said, this is our light. This is our salvation. And get this, Pharaoh was supposed to be the incarnation of Ra. He was the light of in human form. So you can see how the devil works, can't you? A mockery of Jesus even coming into the world. A false uh, Christ or antichrist was the Pharaoh. And so the Egyptian people did not see one another. Moses lifts up the staff. The darkness comes, 23. Nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light In their dwellings, if you have a new living, it says during all that time, 23, the people could not see each other. No one moved, but there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. And there are several scholars that I read this week that say that even attempts to turn on some sort of light, i.e. a ancient candle or something like that, apparently did not work. You say, well, how does that work? I don't know, but God is God. And supernatural, apparent, supernaturally, apparently, they couldn't even light something human, you know, man-made to give them light. And everybody was just stuck, frozen, paralyzed in their dwellings. But in Goshen, light was streaming from the houses there. And of course, you can begin to once again see the distinction that God makes between his covenant people, Israel, and the Egyptians. They're in total darkness, and Israel remains in the light. And we are children of light. Once we were in darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Amen? Walk as children of light. 
There are many verses that talk about this. Moving from darkness to light, the power of Satan to God. We are God's holy people. We are to proclaim the praises, 1 Peter 2, 9, of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It was Saul on the road to Damascus who saw that great light. He described the light of Christ in Acts 9 as brighter than the noonday sun. That is, the one who made the sun is himself light. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Jesus even described people who fall into judgment that they end up in a place described as outer Darkness. You can see that at least three times in the Gospels. Jesus says there's a place of judgment called outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not where you want to end up. You don't want to end up in a place of judgment described as outer darkness, a place, if you will, of deep darkness that could be felt. And there are scholars that believe that Uh, Egypt was being decreated. A decreation is going on. And there would be fear, uh, a sense of doom in Egypt, sensory deprivation, disorientation, psychological distress. So many things. You've been listening to Light in the Darkness, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21 through 29. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on what you heard in his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Or maybe you'd just like to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be asking, how was darkness a plague? Well, this is a darkness that lasted three days, and it was a darkness that people could feel. And there was a message in the darkness. It was a fearful, ominous darkness. It is contrasted with the light that was in Goshen, and the light of God. You know, the the kingdom of darkness is that which is led by Satan. It's a kingdom that is anti-God. It ultimately is pictured in darkness because it is without the light of God. And there are people who walk in darkness, but the great light has arrived, the light of Jesus Christ. And the hope is that if you're feeling like you're at a dark place, Uh, maybe you have sensed some spiritual darkness around you. The hope is that the God of light can and will deliver you. You simply just need to call upon his name. Here we are at Christmas season, and one of the things that happens at Christmas is lights, and I love them, I have to admit. I love lights. I love seeing lights on houses, businesses, businesses. My wife does an amazing job decorating the inside of our house. We have lights, lights, and more lights everywhere. And I tell you, light is a a sign of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. I pray that you're part of it. And if you're not, ask the Lord of light to save you, to 
uh, push away the darkness in your life. He'll eradicate it because he is faithful. Well, here you are listening to Walk in Truth, and you may be asking the question, well, who is Walk in Truth and who is Pastor Michael? Well, I'm simply just a guy, a pastor in the city of Corona who felt a passion to start a radio program along with a few others. And the reason was because we wanted to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ and to build up the church and reach out to those who don't know the Lord of light. And so my hope is simply this, that as you listen to the program, as you interact with it, that you would grow or that you would come to the Lord for the first time. And perhaps you would even become a partner in this ministry and help us to reach out to as many people as possible. You know, ministries at the end of the year are often talking about year-end gifts and stuff like that. And I'm just going to mention that if you want to bless our ministry, if you believe in what we're doing, you've been listening for a while, being a monthly partner would be awesome. And you can do that at walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com. Just click on the donate tab. You can also do give a one-time year-end gift. That would really help us out. We only really have about 35% of this uh, ministry covered by listener support. So that's you know, way less than half. You say, well, what is the other, what, where does the other half come from? It actually comes from our own local fellowship here who believes in what we're doing, but we'd love to see more of you partner with us. Hey, uh, keep it in prayer. And if you feel led to donate, you could bless us at the end of the year by going to walkintruth.com and clicking on that donate tab and partnering with us today. Hey, we appreciate every gift We appreciate deeply every prayer, and we will look forward to seeing you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21 through 29, called Light in the Darkness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.